It's in Galatians chapter 2. And, and this, this verse has helped me so much to understand how God operates with mankind. Now, a lot of the church thinks God is punishing us. Uh, and if we do something wrong, uh, he withholds his blessings and, uh, or he puts bad things on us. Uh, and, and it's really a wrong mentality of who the Lord is. The Lord's not up there doing that uh, because uh, of the Lord Jesus, because of the covenant relationship we have with him. Uh, and if we would just really read the scripture, I, I was listening to somebody one time talking about, and I'm not, I think we'd mentioned it a while back about uh, Mary and how she was born and different things. Yeah. And it was completely wrong. You know, it was, it was basically Catholic doctrine. And it was completely wrong from a doctrinal standpoint. It didn't even make sense. But they said, we, we should believe this because people have believed this for a thousand years. Well, I don't care. I mean, I don't care how long you believe it. If you don't have Bible foundation for why you believe it, I'm not required to believe anything that you believe. Uh, and so I want to, you know, uh, it, it, is, it doesn't even matter to me uh, so much what you believe. It's what's the foundation for why you believe that, right? What's the scriptural foundation for why you believe that? Uh, and if you have that, then I'll believe what you believe. But if you say, well, I believe that because grandma believed it, great-grandma believed it, great-great-grandma believed it, it doesn't matter. You know, grandma has believed some of the dumbest things in the world, right? Uh, and so, you know, we, uh, and, of course, grandma has believed some of the greatest things in the world, too. Uh, but just because a thousand years people have believed something, that's not, the, that's not why we believe anything. Amen? Uh, <clears throat> and so, and, I, and I've seen other people too that because uh you know the pentecostal church has believed things for 100 years uh and uh and they want to upend everything they believed and it's almost because uh they want to believe something different because somebody has believed something well that's still not a reason to believe something different uh just because somebody believes a doesn't mean you should automatically try to believe b you know the opposite of what what they believe that's just rebellion right uh, and so we don't want to be rebellious we don't want to be uh act like we know everything but uh, but, you know, I, I always try to, for me personally, I always try to challenge everything I believe, constantly challenge everything I believe from the Word of God. Lord, does this line up? I believe this, but that, do I have a biblical proof for why I believe that? You know, some things I believe that I don't really have Bible for, is, you know, things that are not important or that big of a deal. Uh, uh, but, you know, just my, my thoughts about them, things that we don't have a lot of Scripture about. Uh, but other things I always try to challenge why do I believe that? Why do I think that about God? Why do I think that about Jesus? Why do I think that about the plan of heaven? And so here we are in Galatians chapter 2. He says in verse 20, that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not, not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And so, of course, that's a great scripture right there, right? And it's got nothing to do with what I want to say, but uh, I just like it, so... Uh, but he says in verse 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if the righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. And what Paul is saying is that we have the, the ability to frustrate the grace of God. You have the ability to frustrate the grace of God. And what he's saying is that the grace of God is God's power that resides in us to accomplish his will on the earth. Uh, and that would include his will is for us to prosper. His will is for us to be healed. His will is for us to have a sound mind. Uh, his will is for us to have complete and total deliverance in, in everywhere that we go. Uh, but uh, if we do something that causes that grace to be frustrated, 
That means God's desire is still to do it, but we have caused him to be a hindrance. We have been a hindrance to him to be able to do that in our life. It's not that he's withholding it from us. He's unable to provide for us whatever that thing is because of our actions. We have frustrated the grace of God. Uh, it's not that God is, sees our actions, well, I'm going to withhold this blessing from you. Uh, no, we do some action, and then God wants to, but our actions have frustrated his ability to express his will in our life. And if we, could, if we can, you've got to meditate on this first. Because if you'll meditate on this first, you'll understand anytime the blessings of God are withheld from you, Whose fault is it? It's your fault, right? You have frustrated the grace of God. It's not that God is, well, I'm going to show you. I'm going to withhold this from you. I'm going to cause you to be sick. I'm going to cause you to be, you know, to be attacked. I'm going to, you know, do these things to, you know, to purify you and whatever, you know, put terrible things in your life to, to cause you to be more spiritual. That's just, you know, all those things are dumb. Uh, no, it's, it's my actions have caused the grace of God to be frustrated. Well, the, the good news about that is that my actions can cause the grace of God to flow freely into my life uh, without hindrance. And, and so this verse, verse 21, I have meditated on this verse uh, so many times just thinking about it because if I see anything that's being withheld in my life, I start looking at my, Lord, where have I frustrated you? You want to be a blessing to me. You've told me you want to be a blessing to me, but, but. Clearly, I'm not being blessed in this area, so what have I done to frustrate your ability to, to, to be a blessing to me? Is that what it says? I, I do not frustrate the grace of God, which tells us that we could frustrate the grace of God. So you know, you've got to just meditate on that verse. Uh, and if you'll get that, then, see, you'll have so much more freedom in your life because if there's something being withheld from you, then you have 100% of what, you can, what could be done to fix it. Uh, and, and the fix is usually easy. Almost always without exception, it's repent, right? <laughs> and so just repent, straighten up, uh, fess up, you know, and, um, and the grace of God will continue to flow freely in your life. Amen? It's not, you know, the frustration. You ever been frustrated? Be frustrated. You want to do something, but you're unable to do it. God wants to bless you, but he's unable to bless you. He hasn't changed his will. He hasn't gone, I don't want to bless you anymore. That's, that would be him changing his will. He wouldn't be frustrated if he said, I'm not going to do that for you. That's not frustration. That's just a decision. Frustration is you want to do something, you are unable to do it. God often wants to bless his people. Often he's unable to do it. Well, why is that? Because we're so carnal, right? We're so natural. We live, uh, do our own things outside the will of God. Uh, and welcome to the human race, amen? It's not that it's, it's new information. It's just uh, uh, this is the way. Now, this is verse been in here. How long has this verse been in, in, in the book of Galatians? A long time, right? Uh, when was the last time you meditated on, on Galatians 2.22, right? Uh, or 2.21? Uh, you, you need to meditate on this verse. I do not frustrate the grace of God. Uh, and so uh, that means you have the capacity to do it. Amen? Uh, and Paul is warning you not to do it. And we, uh, part of the trip, we flew yesterday from um, uh, Rome to, uh, to Istanbul, Turkey. Uh, and Turkey is where Ephesus was located. And, um, you know, there's so much history of the Christian nation there, and yet it's, it's, it's uh, been completely consumed uh, by Islam. Uh, and I'm sure there's still uh, pockets of Christianity left in Turkey. Uh, but, um, you know, they, they completely missed, missed the Lord. They could have been uh, a super prosperous and free country if they'd followed the Lord. Amen. Uh, and so 
Uh, <clears throat> now, Paul, uh, uh, I read verse 20. Paul tells us, if you want to know how to never frustrate the grace of God, just uh, confess that you are crucified with Christ. If you stay crucified with Christ, then you'll never frustrate the grace of God. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, a missionary out of Turkey, huh? That'd be a tough, that'd be a tough missionary field because uh, uh, Muslims are very uh, adamant, you know, in their in their religion. Yeah, I mean, the, the, uh, the Christian church, if you're not a Christian, our job is to convince you uh, to become a Christian. If uh, the, In the Muslim world, if you're not a Muslim, their job is to try to cut your head off, right? And so their motivation is a little different. Uh, so, um, but, you know, that's typically how the devil operates. He operates by threat, amen, to threaten to kill you if you don't, uh, if you don't line up with uh, his desire. Uh, and the Lord just says, uh, you know, the Lord never threatens you if you don't line up with his desire. His deal is, if you line up with his desires, uh, life is better. Amen? Uh, in, the, in the Muslim church, if you don't line up with their desires, they'll cut your head off. And so you're, uh, both, both are motivations, but, uh, uh, you know, one's a lot, more, uh, a lot more intense than the other one. So, well, praise God. Can we not frustrate the grace of God? Do you have the capacity to never frustrate the grace, grace of God? You do, if you want to, right? You want the grace of God to flow freely through your life. Uh, and so let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and we'll get into praise and worship. You're worthy of all praise, worthy of all honor, Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and mercy. Thank you, Father, that you are still the big God, the God of all the universe, the God of our lives. We confess you as our Lord our Savior, our Master, the one chief in charge of our life. Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy. Father, we give you all the praise and honor for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. You ever done any study on, on the word holy? You know, most of the time the church thinks holiness is absence of sin, which is really kind of sad because then the focus is on sin. Holiness is not the absence of sin. The absence of sin is the result of being holy. <clears throat> now, if you look at the word holy, it's, it's really a very basic word. It just means uh, unlike anybody else. Uh, and the Lord is holy. He is unlike anybody else. And he told us to, to, to be holy like he is holy. So if we are unlike anybody else, then there will never be any sin in our life. As soon as you start sinning, you're just like everybody else. Uh, and so uh, don't strive to sin or not sin. Strive to be like the Lord. And then you won't sin. Uh, we, we spend so much time in the church uh, beating people up about sin, we forgot to tell them to be like the Lord. Be like Him. If you're like Him, you're never going to harm anybody else. You're never going to cheat, lie, steal, do any, anything to anybody else that's going to be detrimental to their life. You're going to be like him. So be like the Lord. He said, be holy as the Lord is holy. Uh, and, and immediately the church go, starts going, well, where's the list of sins that I've got to get rid of? That's the wrong mentality. Be holy like him. Be like nobody else. Be like him. Amen? If you're like him, sin will not be a problem in your life. Amen?
Uh, we need to get off this rat race of beating the church up about their sin. Amen? People get, I mean, it's just, uh, it's, uh, uh, that'd be a whole soapbox I could get on right now, but I don't, I don't really want to get on that soapbox. But uh, uh, it's, uh, uh, we're called to help who? The sinners. We're called to get the sinners into the church. Why are you so upset about sin in their life? That's your job is to help them. Amen? <laughs> their sin bothers me. Well, what's your job in the earth? Is to help those very people that, uh, I mean, what in the world, you know? Sometimes I wonder about us, you know? They whisper, did you see them sin? I can't believe they sin. Well, what are you doing to help them? I'm, I'm talking about them. I'm gossiping about them. That really helped them. That really helped them got closer to God right there, you know? I feel better. I feel closer to God because you just judged me. Uh, and so, I don't know. Do we accept sin? Do we approve of sin? Do we glorify sin? Uh, no, we don't do that. But we don't beat the snot out of people for sinning. Amen? I mean, and we don't gossip about them for sinning. Amen? Oh, they smell bad. So? Your sin smells a lot worse than their body odor does. I can guarantee you. Amen? Uh, the Bible talks about the, the nostrils of God, right? And, and, and what, what, what uh, smells make it up to the nostril of God? Body odor does not make it to heaven. The, the, the stench of sin, the stench of your gossiping will make it to heaven much quicker than, than the sinner's body odor. Amen? Uh, and so, now right there, you have to meditate on that one for a while. Amen? Uh, and then you'll probably do some repenting. Amen? Uh, and so, is God holy? He is holy. Is there anyone else like him? No one else like him. Then strive to be like him. Amen? And sin will not be a problem in your life. Uh, and so, praise God, the Lord is good. Well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 14. We'll, we'll continue there today. We've been talking about uh, the compassion of the Lord. You have the compassion of the Lord in you right now. If you're a child of God, that compassion lives in you. You have access to that compassion. You have to choose to yield to that compassion. In fact, every day you get to choose what are you going to yield to. You can yield to your emotions. You can yield to the compassion of God. And I want to show how Jesus, you know, in these studies, we're, we're not so much looking at doctrine of Jesus said, be like this, like what we did for the, for the, uh, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus espoused a bunch of doctrine. But in these teachings, we're looking at how God, how Jesus operated on the earth. And then we want to follow that example. And so it's not so much about the doctrine of what he said. It's, it's, it's learning to follow the example that he gave. Uh, and so let's start here in verse, uh, in verse 10, Matthew chapter 14, verse 10. Uh, now this is a story. This is John the Baptist, right? And he'd, he'd been talking about Herod. And now Herod had decided to marry his brother's wife, which, you know, of course, he's the king. So if the king wants to marry your wife, what are you going to do about it? Who are you going to submit a, a complaint to? Uh, nobody, right? Uh, okay, brother, you can have my wife. Uh, and I guess his wife was an upgrade from, uh, his brother's wife was an upgrade from his wife, I suppose. I don't know if he was married before that or not. Uh, but um, is that craziness? It's crazy, right? But uh, is King Herod a, a, a member of the household of Israel? No. So uh, I, my question is, why does John care? You know, I mean, it's, it's wrong, but why does John care? 
Did Jesus say something about it? Did Jesus know that that was going on? Well, sure. What did Jesus have to say about it? Nothing. Why? Because he's a sinner. You know, uh, you ever thought about what sinners do? What do they do? Amen. They sin. I know that's a revelation right there. Like, what? Yeah, they sin. That's what they do. Amen? If you're going to tell them to quit sinning, how, how's that help them? Amen? That helped them. You've got to stop sinning. Does that any, make them a, a, an inch closer to God? No. They've got to accept Jesus to get closer to God. Amen? Uh, and so, you know, I've always wondered about John's ministry. I don't know everything about it, but I just wonder about it because, I, uh, you know, he was a forerunner of God, of Jesus, right? He was supposed to be, you know, uh, Isaiah prophesied him. He's going to make the way, the, the way straight, right, uh, for the coming of the Lord. And that was his job. And that's part of what he did. He was talking about repenting, you know, talking to people to repent uh, and uh, get closer to God. And, and all that was great. And then Jesus showed up and he never joined Jesus' ministry. He kept his own ministry. Now, he said, I'm, I must decrease and he must increase. So that's great. But he never did. He still had his own disciples, right? Remember the disciples of John came to Jesus one time. Why do you have your own? Jesus appeared. Say, we're closer now, boys. Jesus has started his ministry. We're closer now. We're going to go join his ministry. That's what they could have. That's what he, you know, I mean, I'd say that's what he should have done. I wasn't there. Uh, but it seems reasonable that, uh, I mean, he knew Jesus was the man. He knew he was the Messiah. But you remember later on, uh, before he got beheaded, he sent his disciples to Jesus and said, are you the one? Yeah. Well, he knew he was the one. Why, why did he question? Because the, the Jewish society assumed that the Messiah was a, was a warrior, uh, was a general, that was going to overthrow the, the shackles of Rome and free, naturally free the nation of Israel from their physical oppressors. That was not the job of the Messiah's first visit to the earth. His job was to free, spiritually free, the world. And then if they become spiritually free, then the church then should deal with the shackles of, of the physical kingdoms through prayer. Amen? Uh, and that's what we did. You know, that's how America got formed. We left the Church of England. The pilgrims left the Church of England. All these rules, we don't like all those rules. We want to be free spirit. We want to worship the Lord. And so the Lord said, well, head that way. Uh, and they did. The Lord gave them, gave them America. And that's how we were founded. Because people yearned to be free spiritually. Uh, and so, uh, so John was not unlike the rest of the nation of Israel. We're looking for a natural king. Jesus was not going to be a natural king. Uh, and so, uh, and that's why the Jews reject Jesus. Because in their mind, even though there how many uh, prophecies about Jesus was there? I mean, you go to Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel talks about he's going to put a new spirit in you. And then he said, I'm going to put my spirit in you. After I put a new spirit in you, I'm going to put my spirit in you. Well, that was the job of the Messiah. That was the part of his job. Uh, and you go to Psalm 22, talks about all the, all the difficulties of there. You go to the, when Moses was, was uh, in the wilderness and he, he uh, lifted up the serpents on the pole. Jesus was going to be crucified. All those were pointing to Jesus, the Messiah. Like, how can you not see this? It's been around forever. And they, but they, they focused only the natural things, right? The natural things. When you get stuck in the natural, you'll miss the supernatural. Uh, and so they, they were stuck in the natural. They wanted a king, a fighter, a warrior to overthrow the, the, the kingdom of, of Rome. And Jesus was, I'm not here to do that. And so John's like, well, then, was there somebody else? Is there some? And so what did Jesus do in that moment? He said, 
uh, he didn't even answer them. He, 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 first of all, he went and healed a bunch of people, lepers and other sick people. And he said, go tell John what I just did. Mm-hmm. I healed the sick, raised the dead, uh, the lepers are cleansed, and, and the gospel is preached to the poor. Go tell John that's what I did. Uh, and John, John, John's like, that didn't answer my question. Are you the one? Uh, and of course, Jesus rarely answered direct questions because most of the time the questions were kind of dumb. Uh, and so, so now, now, what was the relationship between John and Jesus physically? John was Jesus' cousin, right? Remember Elizabeth uh, and Mary were sisters. Uh, and Elizabeth uh, was older and couldn't get pregnant. And um, uh, her, her husband, Zacharias, we were praying. And, uh, and, um, and the angel appeared to Zacharias, her husband, and said, you're going to have a child. And Zacharias, Zacharias was like, what? Uh, and and uh, he said, well, because you won't believe, you know, then you'll be dumb until, uh, until you have a child. Of course, people are, have been dumb for a lot longer than that, right? Uh, and, so, uh, and so they had, uh, so she was, she, Elizabeth was six months ahead of Mary. And then Mary got pregnant with, uh, with Jesus uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, um, and now if you notice, John was the product of his mother and father. But Jesus was the product of only Mary and, and the Holy Ghost, right? So hers was a supernatural. They were both supernatural, but, you know, uh, uh, I don't know if there's any competition, but Mary's like, yeah, but I got one up on you, right? <laughs> I got pregnant without, you know, my husband. Of course, she wasn't married at the time. But, uh, and so, so they were six months apart. John was the older brother, older cousin, uh, and he was supposed to go ahead of Jesus. Now, he started his ministry. Jesus didn't start his ministry until he was 30 years old. And you go, again, you go back to the Old Covenant, and the priests were supposed to be assigned to be a priesthood when they became 30. Uh, and so that's part of the reason why God delayed it until he was 30 to line up with the, with the Old Testament law. Uh, and so, but John started preaching long before he was 30, and may have been preaching for years before Jesus entered into the ministry. Uh, and so he, he was way ahead of Jesus in the ministry. Uh, and you know, if you know anything about Jewish culture, Family is a big deal in Jewish culture, right? So how close you reckon John was to Jesus just growing up? They were probably really close, right? Uh, and, and somewhere along the way, uh, G- John knew who Jesus was because when he finally saw Jesus appear to him at the River Jordan, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. So John knew growing up who Jesus was. Jesus knew he, who he was growing up as well. So, and John was called to the ministry. He wasn't just like, well, that's good for you, Jesus. No, he was called, and he knew his place. He knew, I am the forerunner of what's fixing to come. He, and so, you know, they had to develop a close relationship. You know, can you imagine some of the conversations they had about prophecy and about the prophets and the old covenant and the law? And um, uh, John was, was a firebrand. You know, he was a, a preacher. Uh, and so, uh, they, they were close. And, and it says uh, here in verse 10, after John had started telling Herod, you can't do this, of course, Herod was a little afraid of John because the people loved him. But, you know, the deal was you know, with the daughter there of, uh, of his, now, his now wife, who was, his, who was previously his sister-in-law. Now she's his wife. Uh, and so uh, I want you to behead John. And, of course, uh, he had made the deal that I'll give you whatever you want. You know, the little young girl was dancing and, you know, got uh, uh, Herod all hot and bothered. And I'll give you whatever you want. Uh, and, uh, and so she said, I want John's head. Well, well, not that. He can't say not that. Once the, once the king says that, then that's that. Amen? 
and if he wants to remain a king, he will do what he says. You think about that. Uh, it would be great if the, if the church would be that adamant about their words. If I said it, that's what I'm doing. It's not, you know, because the king could have said as the king, well, I didn't mean that. Because he said, I'll give you up to half of my kingdom. But just because she's dancing in front of him, you know, and, and making all kinds of, uh, you know, uh, moves there that, that uh, uh, well, you know, uh, I think you can get the picture, right? And so she was working is what she was doing, amen? And sometimes, you know, sometimes women will work it, amen? They know, they know men, you know, are, are moved by the visual appearance. Sometimes women, women will work it. I remember we were at a church one time. And my pastor, we were visiting there, and there was a speaker there, and they sat us on the front row, and they had this woman playing the tambourine on the praise and worship team. Man, she was playing the tambourine and everything else with it, too. She's moving, and it's like, you know, we're, we're, are we in a church? I mean, you know, you, you can move that way, but you don't typically move that way in a church, right? Dancing, you know, and, 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 and we're all counting tiles, you know, and checking the, the floor for, you know, scraps, because we didn't want to, well, look at the stage. You could, you, you know, just... Uh, you know, you didn't want to be thinking about that, trying to worship the Lord, amen? Uh, and that was the last night she was playing a tambourine. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, I, I know we got to be free, and I know there's dancing the Holy Ghost, but there's dancing the Holy Ghost, and then there's dancing, right? And so it was, uh, it was a little out of order. But, um, uh, and so the king made the deal. Uh, she asked for the head of John the Baptist, and he couldn't go back on his word. You know, we could be a little bit more like Herod. Amen. Not go back on our word. Uh, and so, uh, so he, it says in verse 10, and he sent and beheaded John in prison. It was immediate. As soon as, soon as she said that's what she wanted, he, he didn't, well, let me think about it. He gave her what she wanted. Amen. Now, now, see, I'd be like, can I have that castle over there? Can I have the 100 acres of land? Can I have that gold mine over there? I mean, you know, I'd want something that was, that was more valuable than, than John's head. I mean, you can't take that and buy anything with it, can you? Uh, and, so, uh, and so it says that a head was brought in a charger on a plate given to the damsel, and she brought it to her mother. You know, you think about how, how disgusting that would be, right? And, and so people were crazy back then. The devil is a bad devil, amen? And he would do really devilish things. That's really devilish, amen? You know, that right there, uh, if, you, if you knew the stories of some of the things that happened just a couple of weeks ago in Israel, these are the type of people that, that Herod was like. Same kind of people that attacked Israel from Hamas over in, uh, uh, in the Palestine area uh, or, the, or the West Bank, um, or actually there was a Gaza Strip. They went and attacked Israel, and they did horrendous things like this, except even worse, right? Uh, and, and, but why? Because the devil does horrendous things, amen? Uh, and so, and the disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. So how do you think Jesus felt about his cousin getting murdered? Because right? he was murdered. Uh, if only for speaking the truth. Of course, he said it was wrong, but you know, is there anything really wrong in the world? Uh, I mean, is it our job to judge the world? It's not our job to judge the world. They're already in sin, amen? Uh, uh, and so, now we appreciate the government and them constraining sins in the world that would harm other people. Uh, but if the sinner's out doing sin, that doesn't harm other people, it's not the job of the church to go and tell them to stop doing that, amen? It's the job of the church to get them into heaven. And if they'll get in, into, the, into, the, into the church of the Lord Jesus, they will stop doing those things. Uh, amen? We're not supposed to be out preaching against sin. He said, preach the gospel. Yeah. We're not supposed to be telling them, listing sins. You can't do this sin. You can't do this sin. If you do this sin, you're going to hell. They're already going to hell. Uh, and, and so, 
let's focus on what we're supposed to be doing, getting them out of hell into the church. And once we're in the church, then we can help them get out of sin. Because once they're in the church, then their sin is going to do what? What did Galatians 2.21 say? I do not what? Frustrate. A, a Christian who sins is frustrating the grace of God. A sinner who does sins has no change at all. They're doing exactly the same. Uh, they're on their way to hell. Amen? And so for us to focus on their sins, if they stop doing whatever sin you mention, they're still on their way to hell. It doesn't help them at all to mention their sins. Amen? Uh, and, uh, other than the concept of the gospel that God has come to forgive them their sins and to wash them away from their sins. So what, did, what, it was, what was Jesus' response in verse 13? It says that when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. Well, why did he go away? He just heard John was murdered. Why did he go away? He went to go away to, to deal with the fact that his cousin was murdered, that the cousin he loved and grew up with was murdered unjustly by the king. And he went to go deal with that. You ever had to go deal with things? You know, sometimes you just got to deal with things, right? Did Jesus have emotions? He sure, he had emotions because he, emotions were made by God. God created us with emotions, amen? Does God have emotions? Sure, he's anger, he's loves, right? He, he has compassion, uh, he, is, uh, he is grieved, he is frustrated. Those are emotions, aren't they? And so we know God has emotions. If God has emotions, if Jesus had emotions, do you think that, that, he, that uh, it, was, it, it had no impact on his life that, that John was murdered? I mean, how many times does something happen and the anger of God, the wrath of God uh, arises because of an event that just occurred? Would you think that the anger, the anger rose up in the heart of Jesus to, to be vengeful against these people? Of course, he knows what the word says, right? That vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Uh, but the sorrow, uh, you know, uh, is there sorrow uh, in the death? Would Jesus see John anymore while he was on the earth? No. So, you know, there was, there was emotions that were rising up in Jesus. And, and so what did he go do? He's not going to be controlled by his emotions, so he went to go pray. And if you want to deal with your emotions, if you don't have control over your emotions, go pray. Amen? Amen? If you don't have control over your life, pray. If you can't deal with with your mind and your will and your emotions, go pray. That's what Jesus did. He could have lashed out at Herod. He could have just said a word and Herod would have ceased to exist. Did he do anything about it? No. Did he even acknowledge uh, that what what Herod did was wrong? No. He just left it alone. He went to go deal with his emotions, no doubt. You know, I'm sure people would that's not Herod, that's heresy. Jesus, you know, uh, was grieved oftentimes. Sometimes uh, uh, you see, see it in his words about how harsh he could be in response to the actions of other people, especially to the Pharisees. And so he went, he went to a desert place apart uh, to go pray. Uh, and it says, and when the people heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. So now you've got thousands of people following Jesus. He went and went to go pray, spent some time by himself because of the, the, the news of John being murdered uh, in a terrible way, right? Uh, you know, John, uh, uh, Jesus said there's no greater prophet than John. He should have been elevated by uh, the people. And of course, people held John in high regard, but, the, but Rome didn't. Rome didn't care. And so uh, the people heard it. They followed him on foot. Thousands of people. We'll find out later on. There was thousands of people that followed, that followed Jesus out of the cities and kept him from spending time in prayer to deal with the, the loss of John. Well, what would you do? 
if you, if things if you got some some things that just you heard uh, we call it bad news, right? I don't call it bad news. I, I always say there's neither bad news nor nor good news. There's just news. Amen. People say I've got bad news for you. Not bad if I'm in the Lord, because whatever it is, the Lord's going to get me out of it. So it can't be bad news. It's just news. Amen. I never say bad news. Uh, I got some bad news. I never say I don't have bad news. You come and tell me, you know, people, I've got good news and bad news. What do you want to hear? I don't care. There's no bad news. Amen? Because if, it, if it's things that are a problem, I'll deal with it. So it's not bad news. Amen? Uh, does that make sense? Uh, don't come up and tell me I've got bad news to tell me because I don't think there's any bad news. Uh, and so, uh, so uh, but he did have news, and he went the way to go deal with it. You ever had people interrupt your plans? You, you have plans to do things? Hey, uh, I, I need you to help me. Selfish, right? Well, this, uh, this is me time. Time for you time. This is me time. You go get your own time. Amen? Uh, how often do we do that? Stop bothering me. I got stuff to do. Amen? I mean, you, you want to deal with that? Have kids. Because uh, uh, you can either deal with it or you can not deal with it. Amen? If you're wise, you'll deal with it, right? It's me time. Quit bothering me, kids. Uh, and... Um, <laughs> Well, then why'd you have them? Amen? You, once you got them, you got them. Amen? Uh, and so, so this was, this was big time for Jesus. Thousands of people bothered him. Did he get mad at them? Did he say, would you stop? Just give me just a minute. Just a minute about, by myself. Amen? It always bothered me. Uh, and so, <clears throat> Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude. We're going to find out that it was, it was 5,000 men here. And what? It was moved with compassion toward them. And he's trying to deal with the loss of John. Thousands of people said, no, uh, uh, we don't care about John. We care about me. I want you to take care of me. Yeah. Well, that's really, I mean, people can be selfish, right? But, uh, you know, these are desperate people. Desperate people, uh, you know, people that are desperate, nothing else matters except for whatever they're desperate about in that moment. And you see people that are desperate do things, steal things, and say things, and go places that they would never do if they weren't desperate. Uh, and so uh, Jesus' response was, he was moved with compassion toward them. And did what? Heal their sick. Now, remember that compassion rises up from your spirit, man. From the depths of your being, you yield to that compassion. Now, he could have yielded to his emotions. Stop bothering me. I'm trying to deal with that. Did you hear about John? They'd be like, John who? We just want you, Jesus. Some of them probably never heard of John. Disrespect the memory of John. They don't care. I'm sick. I need you to make me well. Selfish, right? Uh, what was Jesus' response? He was moved with compassion. That compassion allowed him to override his emotions, override his mentality, his thoughts about his me time, and gave. Amen. He gave to the people. Uh, and, and that's what we need to learn. See, we need to see how Jesus operated. It's not doctrine. I mean, it is doctrine in a sense. But how did he operate? Compassion was in him. He was moved to action because of his compassion. He could have been moved to anger. Right? We've seen sometimes the Bible says he was moved with anger. Moved to anger. But no, this time he was moved with compassion. And he healed their sick. Well, if Jesus was moved with compassion... Don't we have the love of God in us as well? Amen. Why isn't the church moved with compassion? Why is the church's first response when somebody does something wrong to gossip about them or to complain about them doing something wrong? 
Why don't you move with compassion to pray for them, to assist them? When someone comes and they need you, uh, why is it that, that no, I, I've got me time. Uh, I'm off the grid. I'm not answering. You know, and sometimes, you know, sometimes I'll do that, you know, because I provide all tech support for my family. Hey, Dad, I quit working. I don't shoot it. I don't know, you know. Uh, but, some, you know, uh, they need help. Well, where are they going to go if they don't go to Dad? You know, they don't have another dad anywhere that can tell them how to fix everything. And so, um, stop bothering me. I got stuff to do. I, you know, I, I just can't imagine saying that to my kids. You know, this is me time. But I know parents, some parents do that. This is me time. You go see the other parent. Uh, well, that's selfish. That's not what Jesus did. Did he send them to his disciples? Uh, you go, go see Peter. He can take care of it. Because remember, earlier, he already sent the 12 out. And we didn't talk about he sent the 12 out and then he sent the 70 out. You know, they, they could do things. They could pray for the sick. They could do stuff. He could have said, well, go, go see my second in command. He'll help you out. No, he was moved with compassion. Sometimes in a ministry, we get a royalty mentality. I'm royalty. Don't bother me. If my door is closed, don't knock on the door. I mean, sometimes you're praying, you know, it would be disrespectful to interrupt prayer. But if it's important, Knock on the door. Amen. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine that there'd be a time when, you know, I'm in the door, the door's closed, maybe I'm praying or something. Someone comes in. And listen, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, tell me, I don't want to bother you, Pastor. I don't want to bother you. Blah, 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 blah. I'm called as a minister of the gospel. I'm called to assist people. You tell me you didn't want to bother me, you're a loss. Yep. Amen? You're a loss. Yep. Bother me. That's, right. That's my job. Yeah. Amen? Now, if it's foolishness, I'm going to tell you it's foolishness. Amen? <laughs> Call me at 2 o'clock in the morning. Pastor, should I, should I use the, the blue toothpaste or the white toothpaste? Shut up. Go to bed. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll help you. You call me, you know, because uh, you're going to get the whole deal. You're going to get the whole package deal. Amen? If you come up with some foolish, I'm going to tell you, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Why are you calling me 2 o'clock in the morning about toothpaste? What's wrong with you? I'm, gonna, I'm still going to help you. Amen? Uh, but, you know, it may not be the help you wanted. Uh, did, did Jesus always help the people the way they wanted? No, not always. You know, they wanted, they wanted you know, Jesus uh, tell my brother to, to split the inheritance with me. Quit being covetous. Uh, no, that's not what I wanted, Jesus. Uh, and so he was moved with compassion. He, he helped them. Amen? He didn't yield to his emotions. He didn't yield to his mind. He yielded to the passion of God. And what, what did that compassion allow him to do? Heal thousands of people. You know, the church has got so little power compared to what Jesus showed us on the earth. Why is that? Because it's so rare the church is really moved with compassion. We're so often moved with pride or moved with emotions or moved with feelings. Uh, we, can, we have the same compassion in us that Jesus had. It's not a different compassion. It's the same Holy Ghost that was in Jesus that's in me. I could be moved with compassion just like Jesus was. Amen? And then see the same results that Jesus saw. If we would yield to the same compassion that he had, we have the same capacity to heal thousands of people. If we'll train ourselves to do that. When someone comes and it's a bother to us, we have a choice. Do we want to be bothered or do we want to see the need that's in front of us? And that need drive us and, and move us to compassion. Amen. Amen? 
So we can either yield to our emotions, stop bothering me, or we can yield to the compassion of God. How can I help? What can I do? What power can I provide you that can change your life to help you? See, that, that's, that's how Jesus operated. He didn't operate differently than we're supposed to operate. He left us an example. He did this as an example to us. Amen. About how we're supposed to operate. Uh, and so it says he healed all their sick. He healed their sick. Thousands of people. How many people in, in 5,000 people, you know, that's just the men. There's probably ten to 15,000 people total with uh, women and children. How many people you reckon out of those thousand people were sick? You get, you get three people together today, it's like, what's wrong with you? Oh, yeah, mine's worse than that. I mean, you know, it's a race to the bottom. Uh, always, right? Oh, we was in a group one time, and, 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 and once that ball starts rolling, I mean, it's like, who can outdo the other one? It's, oh, yeah, I had an itch the other day. Oh, you think that was bad? You know, mine itched, and it was red. Oh, yeah, you think that was bad? Mine itched, and it fell off. I mean, it's just, I mean, you know, oh, you think that was bad? You know, and I, I was in a group, they, and they were just all going, you know, trying to outdo the other one. And finally, it just rose up at me and said, I feel great. <laughs> they looked at me like, <clears throat> shut up. We're not talking about you feel great. We're talking about how bad we feel. Amen. I feel great right now. Amen. Uh, and so <clears throat> he healed all their sick. Well, that, we have to be like that. We can be like that. Move with compassion. Amen. Instead of being moved by, by uh, emotions or being moved by the circumstances. And, and, and so, but that doesn't end this here. See, Jesus was, was, was moved with compassion, uh, and he didn't just do the bare minimum. Okay, y'all, y'all healed now. Now stop bothering me. Go away. No. See, you, you've got to learn to yield to the Lord as long as that needs to be done. Amen? If it comes to an end, and, and you know, sometimes Jesus ended things and he moved on. Well, that's fine, right? Because sometimes people will overstay their welcome. And sometimes you do have to tell them to move on, right? And that's fine. But that's not your first response. The first response is, is if the compassion is there, <clears throat> then, then yield to that as long as it takes. So he didn't just stop with, with healing them because he says right after that, uh, when it was evening. So it's been all day. I mean, how long would it take you to pray for 15,000 people? Uh, so many ministers are here. Well, you know, you can't pray for everybody because, you know, we're in, a, we're in this limited body. Well, I understand that Jesus, the body that Jesus had was more capable than my body. I do understand that because his body didn't have the sin nature in it. But it still got tired. Didn't Jesus get tired? Right? Remember, he rested sometimes. Uh, and so, but I hear, I hear Christians a lot of times, especially ministers, talk about, well, we need our rest. You know, we need our rest. I mean, I'll rest. Unless I don't need to rest. I'll rest. You know, if there's things that I've got to do, then I'll do that. I can rest later. Uh, my rest is not my number one priority. Well, brother, you've got to rest. Uh, if the Lord tells me to go rest, I'll go rest. If he doesn't tell me to go rest, I'll work until, until the work is done. Because uh, uh, didn't he say in, in Romans 8, 11, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will quicken my mortal body? Didn't he say that? Well, he didn't say that unless, unless you need rest, right? He'll make your mortal body alive unless you need to rest, and then he won't, he'll stop doing that. Sometimes I wonder why, we don't, why, don't, why don't we live by faith, amen? If there's a 1,000 people to pray for, you know how long I'll pray for a 1,000 people? 
until the Lord tells me not to pray for a thousand people. Now, Brother Hagin had good wisdom about that. What he learned is he could pray for, for hundreds of people, sometimes thousands of people, until the Spirit of God lifted off of his life. And once it lifted off, once the anointing lifted, then he knew that the, that was time to end the, end, the, end the ministry. And that's wisdom, right? That makes sense. But if the, if the Spirit of God doesn't lift, you pray, for, you pray for another one. What about now? You pray for the next one. What about the next one? You pray for the next one. Yeah, what about the hundreds of people? You pray for them all. If the Spirit of God is there, you pray for them all. Amen? Now, if the Spirit of God lifts, then that's Him instructing you it's time to go. It's not about you. It's about Him. Uh, and so, uh, we've got to learn how to yield to the compassion of the Lord. Now, uh, if they can come back tomorrow, you can pray for them tomorrow. But see, you know, it wasn't so easy for these people to come back tomorrow. They may have walked for days to get there. Amen? Nowadays, I mean, I flew to Europe, uh, and uh, the first trip was like 10 hours. I could fly to the other side of the earth in 10 hours. Well, it probably took them days to get to this location. Amen? So it's not easy to travel. So the compassion of the Lord prayed for them all. And so when I hear ministry, well, you can't pray for everybody. I, I don't, there's no law. I pray until the Lord says to stop praying. And if the Lord says, doesn't say to stop praying, you know what I keep on doing? I keep on praying for the folks. Amen? We've prayed for hundreds of people, different trips. And so uh, now it's evening. All day long he's been praying for people. You reckon he's tired? Sure. Go away. Stop bothering me. What did the compassion of the Lord do? His disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place and the time is now past. Send the multitude away. Is it their job to tell Jesus what to do? Who's the head of the ministry here? Jesus. You go tell him to stop bothering us. They show no respect for, for Jesus most of the time. You go tell them. They didn't, they didn't ask. They didn't come and say, Jesus, what do you want us to do with the people? They've been here all day. You prayed for everybody already. We're done praying for, you want, to, you want to send them away? No, they didn't ask. They told Jesus what to do. Uh, it never ceased to amaze me, you know. Uh, and so, saying, uh, it's a desert place. Time has now passed. Send the, multitude, uh, send the multitude away that they may go into the village and buy themselves victuals or food. And it's like, you know why they're saying that? Because they're hungry. You know, we get to get rid of these people because we're hungry. We don't tell you we're hungry because that would sound selfish. So we're, we're, we're thinking about them. Yeah. Go send them away because we're thinking about them. Right, right. Jesus said, they need not depart. Give ye them to eat. Why? The compassion of the Lord. They've been with me all day. Now they're hungry. The compassion of the Lord had not ended in his life. It hadn't stopped. It still was moving him to action. Now you give them something to eat. And they said, and we have here about five loaves and two fishes. Jesus said, bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude, we know the story, he commanded the multitude to sit down in the grass, took the five loaves, two fishes, looking up to heaven, blessed to break it, and gave the loaves to the disciples, the disciples of the multitude, and they did all eat and were filled. And they took up the fragments that remained, 12 baskets full. And, then, then, and, and they that had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Uh, and so, what, so now... Jesus not only had the miraculous power to heal thousands of people, he had the miraculous power to feed thousands of people. Why? Same compassion of the Lord. The power to help other people is going to come through that compassion of the Lord. Uh, and so, was he done? Not quite, not quite done yet, right? We still got, we still got more of what's going on here. 
uh, because I want to tie all this together to show you if you will yield to the compassion of the Lord, there's no end to the power that, that God can demonstrate through you. Uh, and so now he, he's healed everybody, he's fed everybody, uh, and so now uh, it has come to an end. They, they has ended their ministry to these people. And it says in verse 22, And straightway Jesus constrained the disciples to get into the ship and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. So now, now he's going to dis, uh, dis, uh, disperse the crowd, uh, and he's going to do it with compassion and kindness. Thank you for coming. Uh, follow the Lord. He's going to uh, reiterate, no doubt, at the end of it, uh, stay close to the Lord. Follow the covenant of God. Uh, and when he had sent the multitudes away, it says he went up into a mountain apart to pray. Now, how do we start this? What did Jesus originally do at the beginning of all this? He went away to pray, but they interrupted him. So now he's finally, after a couple of days, finally going up there and doing what he set out to do originally. He still got to do that. It was just interrupted by 15,000 people. And what did he, he went away to pray uh, until the next evening. So now it's been another whole day, right? So now we're talking about multiple days from the time that John was murdered till now. And he's finally getting to deal with the, the fact that John had been murdered unjustly by the king. Uh, and so he went up to the mountain to pray in verse 23. And when evening was come, he was there alone. Uh, so remember, he had sent the ship ahead of them, right? Sent the disciples ahead of him on, on, the, on the lake there. Uh, and it says, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves. The wind was contrary. Uh, of course, uh, who was on the boat? The 12 disciples, right? Any of them ever been on a boat before? Well, sure, what was some of their professions? They were fishermen, right? So they knew about the boat. They knew about water and, and, and storms and stuff. Uh, and so, uh, but they were struggling. Uh, and it says, in a fourth watch of the night, this is between 3 o'clock and 6 a.m., right? Between 3 a.m., at 6 a.m. Uh, and uh, you reckon they got any in those 100,000 candlewatt lights there that you know you can, you can buy and light up the earth? And they, they don't have one of those. They got no lights. So it's got to be pitch black at 3 a.m. Uh, and it, so uh, it says in verse 26, and, and when the disciples, uh, and, and back to verse 25, fourth watch of the night, Jesus went under them walking on the sea. Now, see, when I was studying about this, the Lord was showing me, how did Jesus have the ability to walk on the sea? All the way back to, what, what, what did he start doing back when he first heard the news of John the Baptist? He was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion to heal the sick. He was moved with compassion to feed the 5,000. Now he's moved with compassion to help the, the fishermen, the, the professional uh, seamen, on the, on the water to help them and not lose despair. And so it's the, same, it's the same Holy Ghost that was moving him to action in all of these situations here. Uh, and so he's walking on water. And the disciples saw him walking on the sea. They were troubled, saying, it is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. You know, I'm always amazed at how the people of God, how oftentimes the first reaction of the people of God is fear. Now, how long have they been with Jesus? I mean, a long time now, right? Uh, we're in Matthew 15, so there's been, there's been a while, maybe a year or two, they've been with Jesus. Uh, and they still, their first reaction to seeing something is they were afraid. You know, it's no different than church. 
how often a church happens, uh, an event occurs, and the church is in fear. Anybody remember COVID-19? I was always amazed at how much fear in the church there was about a virus. Oh, it's, 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 a, it's a virus. So, uh, does not the Lord still provide healing? Uh, and people would, I, I'm not going to church. I'm afraid to get the virus. Well, is the Lord not our healer? I mean, it's just, it's just amazing how many people were in dread, fear in the church. I don't care about the world, in the church. We have the God, we have the Almighty God living on the inside of me. Yeah. Then the Bible say, I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me, right? Uh, I will fear no evil. Well, unless it's COVID-19, right? Is there a footnote there? I will fear no evil. I don't fear any evil. What can it do to me? Nothing. Except unless I give it access to my life. And so they were they were afraid. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. So the whole point of, of that, of all of this, was it all was initiated by Jesus was moved with compassion. We saw three spectacular miracles occur because Jesus chose to be moved with compassion. He healed thousands of people, he fed thousands of people, and he, and he brought peace to the disciples. And, but the only way he could bring peace to the disciples for him, for, was for him to walk on water and to get there, catch up to them on the boat uh, and to do that. When you, when you allow the compassion of the Lord to move you, there's no end to what you can do. And we need to, we need to set our minds bigger, our hearts bigger, our, our hope bigger in what we can do for the world. Instead of limiting the, well, we can, we can feed them, we can put clothes on them, that's great. Praise God. I want to do spectacular things, don't you? I don't want to limit it. Well, you know, we're going to start, you know, we're going to start a, a, a food program. And thank God for that. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with that. We have a, a food box ministry here. Not a big one, but, uh, but we do. We help people with that. And I'm glad we do that. Uh, I, want to be, I want to do bigger than that. Don't you want to do bigger than that? Not that that's not important because Jesus, you know, he fed them supernaturally. When we give people a box of food, it's not supernatural. It's a blessing. It's not a, it's really a supernatural blessing. It is for them. It's supernatural because they couldn't do it. Uh, and that's fine. But, you know, I want uh, 10,000 people show up at my door. Instead of panicking, what are we going to do? Uh, uh, well, we got, we got some bread. Fine. We'll feed them. Amen? Uh, and then uh, that when people are, are, are in difficulty, well, the only way that I can get over there to help them is some supernatural event, like walking on water. You know, which is where the compassion of the Lord will let you walk on water. Like, all right, Lord, let's do it. Uh, and, and I know we talk about these things, but, but we need to have a vision in our hearts. Lord, we want to help people whatever it takes. Uh, and if we'll do that, we'll be like Jesus, right? See, this is, he, this is not doctrine. This is how he lived and operated. But see, if our first reaction to, to uh, people coming and bothering us is, is leave me alone. How many times have we missed the supernatural and allowing the Lord to use us in a supernatural way because we allowed our emotions to dictate what we wanted to do. I'm praying. Don't you know John was murdered? I, I need time. I need, I, I need alone time. How many people suffered because we did not move, we were not moved with compassion? Uh, how many people would have missed healing if Jesus was not moved with compassion? How many people were, would have been left hungry if Jesus wasn't moved with compassion? 
What would be the end of the, the disciples on the sea if Jesus had been moved with compassion? Because right after that, you know, we know Jesus, uh, Peter walked on water. Uh, and, and it says um, uh, in verse 32, and when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. So when Jesus walked on water, the, the wind was still in a roar. The sea was still roaring up. Peter walked on water. Remember, Peter walked on water, and it says uh, that when he saw the wind boisterous in verse 30, he was afraid. Uh, you're walking on water. Uh, you know, of course, we give people, Peter, a hard time. He's walked on water more than I have. Amen? Uh, and so, but he looked around. Instead of looking at Jesus, he looked around uh, like we do oftentimes. Well, don't you know the circumstances? See, when you move with the compassion, you don't see the circumstances. The compassion of the Lord says, whatever it takes. There's five, we can't feed them. The compassion of the Lord says, feed them. There's 5,000 people, 10,000 people, 15,000. We can't heal them. The compassion of the Lord says, heal them. And so you don't look at the circumstances. The circumstances are irrelevant. I can't walk on water. The, sin, the, the wind and sea is, is in a roar. The compassion of the Lord says, you go out there and help them. Well, Lord, I, how can I help them? The, 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 it's a storm going on. You go, you go help them. Yield to the compassion of the Lord, and, and the circumstances are, are irrelevant. And so Peter started sinking. He said, Lord, save me. Uh, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him. Oh, you have little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? Now, if Peter walked on water and was of little faith, what about the other 11? Where were they at? Probably no register, right? You got any faith meter? It's still at zero, right? Peter had a little bit, little faith, right? It moved. There's some, there, he's alive, right? Sometimes you want to go around the church, people in the church, right? We preach to them, go check their pulse, right? Oh, there's life. There, uh, I sense some life. <laughs> they moved. They twitched a little. <laughs> and so, you always have to think about that one for a while, right? <laughs> uh, and so, uh, it says, uh, oh, oh, you have a little faith. Why did it doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. So that's the four miracles, right? He healed the, the, the thousand people, fed the thousand people, walked on water, caused the storm to cease. All that because he chose to be moved with compassion. You can be moved with compassion. You have the same compassion in you right now Jesus had. Same exact compassion in you. Learn to yield to that. And if you'll learn to yield to that compassion, there's no telling what God can do through your life. Amen? Uh, you know, there's so many times I've talked to the Lord and said, Lord, I'm just so selfish. Look, look, just looking back at your own life, you know, Lord, you know, I could have not done that. I could have not said that. I could have not, you know, been there, done that, whatever it was. And, and, uh, and the Lord, you know, many times, many years ago, you know the answer to this question because I ask it on a regular basis, what's the opposite of love? Selfishness, right? Being self-centered. Uh, and see, when we don't yield to the compassion of the Lord, become selfish people. We're here to give uh, out of our lives. And we're on the earth. I mean, even we live as long as the Lord promised us in the maximum length he promised us was 120 years. Uh, and even if you live 120 years, that's still a drop in the bucket compared to eternity. We can give while we're on this earth. Amen? I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about your life. Right? Jesus gave up his life on the mountain there instead of praying because he chose to yield to compassion. And four spectacular miracles occurred because he chose to, be yield, to yield to compassion. Can we do the same thing? Yes. He called us to be just like this. 
We have the capacity to be exactly like this. Amen? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm in a hurry. I'm trying to go to Walmart. Got stuff to do. Somebody says, hey, can you help me? Quit bothering me. I can buy my potato chips. You know? <laughs> because clearly that's more important than helping somebody, right? They're desperate. Yeah, but they got a sale. And there's only two bags left. And, you know, <laughs> that's important. What's wrong with you? I'm near death. Well, can you hang on just a minute? Let me go buy my chips, and I'll come right back, right? How many, how many times have we done that? Move with, move with the potato chip sale uh, instead of move with compassion. You reckon they're going to make any more potato chips in the world? Probably not. Those are the last two right there they'll ever make. They'll never make another potato chip, and I better get them, because if I don't get them now, they're gone, gone forever. Uh, and, and, and no, we need to look at the example of Jesus. Amen? Can we do that? You, you've got to, in order to do this, you've just got to meditate on these things. Lord, your compassion lives on the inside of me. Let me be moved with compassion. Talk to the Lord about it. Let me do this. You know, let, let me get up and, and say these things and do these things. And, and when your compassion rises up in me, I will yield to that instead of what I want. And, and, I, and I like the way the Lord set this whole thing up and recorded this event for us because uh, the death of John was such a major milestone in history. No greater prophet than John the Baptist. Murdered right there. And God wanted to show us how much greater the compassion of the Lord was than that event. And yet we want to make our small uh, experiences that don't equal at all to the death of John the Baptist to be elevated greater than that so that we don't have to be uh, moved with compassion so that we can do what we want to do. Uh, and and, uh, and, I, and I, I have just cried out to the Lord about how selfish I can be sometimes. Uh, but I'm working on it, right? I'm going to remove those things out of my life so that when somebody, they need help, what are you going to do? I'm going to help them. What if it's just natural things? So I can go help them. Amen? I remember one time, Chris was out of, I was out of town. Chris was at home, and, and um, something quit working at our house. I think it was a, a water heater or something quit working. So I called up some people at church. Hey, I'm out of town. Can you go help Chris? With, you know, she had kids at home, and I'm out of town. Can you go? No, I'm busy. Really? You can't help the, the single mom at home while I'm out of town? No, I called up a second guy at church. I've helped these people dozens of times. Hey, can you go help? No, I'm busy. What? You can't go help her for a minute? You live a mile away. No, I'm busy. What in the world? You know, I'm on the other side of the planet. Can't, you know, I can't do anything about it. It was like, I called three or four people. No, I can't help them. Finally, you know, I was talking to someone. I said, I'm going to get me a new church. Because you know, I need help. And, and when you get the call, the answer's got to be yes. It can't be, no, I'm busy. Amen? How many times has the answer been no? How many times did you ask the Lord for help? The answer was no. I mean, that's how we're supposed to live and operate. Amen? Now, I know those are natural things. And those don't equ- uh, live up to like, this type of help. But if you're not willing to say yes when, when somebody calls you to, to go across the street for something to, that would bother you, take out of your time. I know some people can be uh, uh, manipulative. I'm not talking about people like that, right? People just, they'll just, they'll consume your life. You know, some people, you got to help them and train them to not, because they're being selfish, right? Uh, but these people were selfish. The 10,000 people, they were selfish because they didn't care that John got killed. They were selfish. Jesus still helped them. Amen. Sometimes you help selfish people. That's fine. Uh, amen. Uh, 
and so, you know, it's not that, it's not that, that, that your life will be consumed by other people. Your life should be consumed by the will of God. Your life should be consumed by the compassion of the Lord. If the compassion is there to help, then you help them. The Lord may say, don't help them, because they don't really need help. They just, you know, I had a brother call me up, hey, can I borrow thousands of dollars? No. Why? Because he was just being selfish. He, he was doing it just to see if I would say yes. And well, the Lord is smarter than all of us, right? If the answer is no, the answer is still no. You know, I don't care. Well, you should help people. I help everybody. And I just helped you too, not being so selfish. Uh, and so, but how, how many miracles has the church missed out on because we would not be moved with compassion? Amen? Did Jesus miss out uh, of his time with prayer? No, he finally got it. It was days later, but he finally got it. Got to spend time in prayer, deal with the loss of John. Uh, did he, did he uh, lose out? Was he diminished because of that? No, he got to do spectacular miracles because he was willing to be moved with compassion. How many miracles have we missed out on that God did not use us to do a miracle because we were just selfish? And, and I hate to think about that. Uh, you know, I don't care about you. I don't care about me. You know, I think about me, right? I'm being selfish in that, in a sense that, Lord, well, what have I missed out on about you using me because I was selfish? I'm not here to, to beat you up. This is for all of us, amen? Uh, I'm preaching to a mirror right now. I'm not preaching to you all. I'm preaching to a mirror uh, because I, this is the way I want to be. This is how my master was. I can be that way. He was the king of kings and lord of lords. He didn't care. He helped him, Amen. Are you a king of kings and the Lord of lords? No, you're a servant of the Most High God. Uh, I know you're a king and a priest. I understand that. But that, that doesn't make us so good that we can't help people. Uh, and so let, let's be moved with compassion. Whatever it takes. Amen? And we see great and spectacular things occur in the earth because we will be yield to the compassion of the Lord instead of our emotions and our thought life. Uh, and, and we will see great and mighty things occur in our lifetime. Amen. In this church, specifically in this local body, we will see great and mighty things happen if we will learn from the example of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the example that you left us. Father, we thank you, Father, that, that, that you yielded not to your emotions, not to your thought life, not to your own will, what you wanted to do. You yielded to the compassion of the Lord and it moved you to action. It caused you to provide supernatural assistance, spectacular assistance to people around you. Change their lives, Father. How many people's lives, Father, that you healed in that story uh, that their life was completely changed? They were unable to provide income for their family, and now they could. They were unable to work, now they could. They were unable to fix the things that they owned, but now they could because you healed them. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for the example. And if that's the example you left for us, Father, then that's the example we will follow. We will help. We will assist, Father. If the compassion is there, we will be moved by that compassion. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And we give the praise and the honor for the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so at, the end of the, at the end of the deal here, Make sure that you don't turn this into a law. That the answer is always yes, because sometimes the answer was no for Jesus. The, 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 the thing you learn is if the compassion says yes, then the answer is always yes.
That's the law, right? It's not the law of if the question is asked, the answer is yes. The, the, the law is if the compassion says yes, then the answer is always yes. And then we'll be okay. Amen? We won't be legalistic. We won't uh, 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 have problems in our life. We won't allow selfish people to consume our lives. We will be moved with compassion. Well, praise God. Let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Amen? Amen. You know, for some reason, I'm thinking about this during, um, during praise and worship. Anybody ever heard the, the doctrine of supernatural debt reduction? I thought, what in the world, you know? There's no Bible for that. No. Uh, and yet people will preach these, all these stories about supernatural debt reduction. You know, for, for, for someone to forgive you of their debt, which is, which is fine, right? If it happens, there's no doctrine for it, but if it happens, it's fine. But that means that they're losing out. I mean, whatever a debt you owe them, they've got to lose out. You know, it's much better to, to believe that God will prosper you which is a biblical doctrine, to pay all your debts. Yeah. Amen? Uh, and, and you got Bible for that. You can have faith for that. You can't really have faith for supernatural debt reduction. Lord, I want them to lose out on $1,000 I owe them because, you know, I don't want to pay them. But that's, you know, uh, if that happens, it's fine. But you can't have faith for that. That's not faith, right? That, that, that's a sovereign act of God. But you can have faith that God will prosper you to increase you to get out of debt, to pay all your debts. Amen? Uh, and so, let's make sure we stick with doctrine. Uh, when we give, we believe, first of all, that as we give, remember when Jesus, what, what did he do when he got the, the, the loaves and fishes? He says he blessed them, right? So we bless our giving. He said, Lord, bless this giving to the receiver. So your faith always should be, first of all, when you give to the church, and that's what we're fixing to do is let you give to the church, your first, your first prayer is, Lord, bless this to the ministry. Bless this to multiply it according to all that the ministry has need. Amen? And then the Lord can multiply that into our hands. Now, that doesn't mean that that means I can give less. That's not the deal. That's, that's not why you're doing that. Amen? You're, you're, you're giving as the Lord instructs you to give, and then number one, your heart is for the Lord to bless that and multiply it according to the need. Amen? So he multiplied the bread and the fishes according to the need that the, that the people had. When you give, you ask the Lord to bless it and multiply that giving uh, to, the, to the need of that ministry. Amen? So Lord, bless and multiply this giving as we give uh, to the ministry. So that this ministry has the capacity to do whatever the Lord needs us to do. Amen? And so your focus is not about you. Your focus is on on your giving and how you can bless those who receive of your giving. The church, this ministry is, is, is being blessed by your giving. Amen? And that's why we receive an offering. We don't take an offering. We receive an offering. Amen? A lot of ministries say, well, let's get ready to take up the offering. I don't take an offering up. I don't take anything from you. I receive from you. Amen? Taking sounds kind of aggressive. Amen? And out of order. Uh, I don't take up an offering. I receive an offering. Because if you're giving then my, my, my responsibility as a church is to receive that. Amen? Uh, and so I, I believe uh, that now when, when they did that, right, because I, I like the example of the, the feeding the 5,000, Jesus blessed it. It was multiplied according to the need. 
But then what did they receive back? Twelve basketfuls, right? So they received a blessing from their giving, but, but the giving actually multiplied more for the receiver than they, than they received back, right? Because it, you know they gave out way more than 12 basketfuls. Yeah. And so the, the people was, received greater amounts from what was given than what they received back from their giving. But 12 basketfuls from a small investment of five loaves and, and three fishes or whatever the number was, was a lot better deal still, right? Uh, and so let's, let's focus on our giving and the multiplication of our giving to the receiver. And the Lord will be kind enough to give back to us in order for us to get completely debt free. Multiply our seed, multiply our, our, our income to get out of debt that way. And so that the person that we're in debt to, they're blessed because they received the end, end of, their, uh, of their loaning to us or whatever it is that we, we're in debt to. Uh, and everybody wins. Amen? Uh, and so let, that should be our mentality. So let's pray and thank the Lord for our opportunity to give. So Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give today. And Father, as we give, we ask you to multiply this gift to the ministry, Father, that, that they have all that they have need of met, Father, financially because we give. And we thank you for that, Father. And Lord, we thank you that according to your word that you said, if we give, that with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into our bosom. But our first desire, Father, is that all the needs of the ministry are met because of our giving. That is our first desire. When we give to any ministry, Father, that the first desire is that their need is met. Not that my need is met, but that their need, need is met. That is the priority of heaven. And so, Father, we follow your example. We ask you, Father, multiply this seed sown. Uh, and we thank you, Father, that it is done because that's the example you left us in your word. And we give you the praise and the honor for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Give my hand, Mr. Jared, receive the offering. And so, is the Lord good? You know, uh, uh, I was so, uh, uh, so much enjoyed studying out about the compassion of the Lord uh, in, this, in this, uh, these services here, seeing what it can do for us because it, it, it inspires me. It gives me hope that I can be this way. Amen? Well, praise God. Don't forget, we have healing school today um, at 3 o'clock. It's good to be back here, back home. Amen? And uh, be blessed, you're dismissed.